with Scott Allen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this beautiful world. I am your host, Scott J. Allen, and this is Phrenesis, Practical Wisdom for Leaders. Now, I am a professor of management at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, USA. In addition, I'm a husband and father of three teens. Now, this is a family endeavor. Will played the intro, Kate voiced the intro, and who knows, you may hear from Emily a little later. I'm also an author, entrepreneur, speaker, and co-founder of the Collegiate Leadership Competition. I love to travel, explore new places with family, and learn from others. Phronesis offers a smart, fast-paced discussion about all things leadership and followership, if we're honest. My guests are scholars and practitioners, and we cover relevant topics and incorporate practical tips designed to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. I am proud to share a few updates. According to Listen Notes, Phronesis is listed as among the top 3% of podcasts in the world because of you. So thank you. In addition, the podcast has two sponsors. First, Phronesis is the official podcast of the International Leadership Association, an association that is near and dear to my heart. ILA brings together leaders and those who teach, study, and develop leadership, advancing leadership knowledge and practice for a better world. Learn more at ila-net.org. My second sponsor is the Bowler College of Business at John Carroll University. At Bowler, we offer several advanced degrees and MBAs, and I'm confident that there's one that will fit your location, interests, and timeline. In fact, our online MBA is ranked as the number one in Ohio and number nine in the United States. We offer international study tours, a contemporary and forward-looking curriculum, and access to senior leaders and flagship organizations. Learn more at business.jcu.edu. You can find links to both sponsors in the show notes. Now, if you like what we're up to, please hit subscribe so you can stay current as we release new episodes each week. You can also share what we're up to with others, friends, colleagues, leaders, teams, students, and others you think will benefit. And now, today's show. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Phronesis Podcast. Thanks for checking in wherever you are in the world today. Fun conversation with Dr. John Ross this afternoon or this morning or this evening, wherever you are, whatever time it is. For me, it's the afternoon when we're talking. But John started his career as a seventh grade history teacher in Mesa, Arizona. From there, he worked as a producer of musical events and then as a project lead at one of the world's leading manufacturers before becoming a business professor at Indiana University's Southeast Campus. He has been researching and working with teams for more than a decade. His research in extraordinary teams and unity has since expanded into hope, knowledge acquisition, and retention. He holds a BA in organizational studies from Arizona State University, an MBA in finance from Drexel University and a PhD in management from New Mexico State University. And he has a book. It's called Team Unity. It's an incredible book. I listened to it this summer, John. I I, I traveled traveled with your thinking for many, many weeks, whether that was on an airplane, in my car, on my walks. Your thinking was with me. And so I'm excited to jump into that today. But how awesome is like Arizona and New Mexico? Let's start there. Pennsylvania is awesome too. Yeah, so that's but, like, about Philly. I mean, I, you know, there's good people there, but uh, you know, the Southwest has, has its oof, charms. Gosh. I have to admit though, I was ready to leave. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you and I were in the Midwest and yeah. here, if we were to get lost, if our car were to break down, we could survive. 
right? Like that, like there's <laughs> forest, like like it's beautiful. There's running water, like everything's fine. Out in the southwest, everything's trying to kill you. Like everything, like it's just death everywhere. And and so it's it's brutal. And it's gotten so congested now. I mean, we lived 20 minutes away from Target, or and it, it was only four miles. Like four miles took us 20 minutes ago with all the stoplights and everything. Here, oh yeah, it's it's nice here. We we like it a lot. Very friendly people in both places. We've lived all over. Wonderful, wonderful country. But we're we like where we're at. Yeah. Well, you know, I if I recall correctly, is there's like 11 exits in Mesa, Arizona. <laughs> I mean, you're just the next 11 exits are Mesa. <laughs> yeah. And then Phoenix is like, just go. We'll tell you when to stop is what the sign says. Like, we'll tell you when you're out. You know, it's like, OK, all right. It's just so huge. And it, it's great. Like I own some stores out there. I own some electronic stores as well. And and they're doing fantastic down there. So it's a great place. And I go down there regularly. But it's yeah. um, it's just time. Time to yeah. move on. You know, the, the country, I think we forget how awesome our country is, uh, just the landscape and the people and the different cultures. And so it's been a blast going with my family across and and just experiencing it all. It is. It is. I mean, because we were in New Mexico. I had not spent a lot of time in New Mexico. I'd spent almost zero time in New Mexico. But boy, I mean, that state in and of itself is fascinating with whether it's the food and the cuisine or whether it's the history and the culture, whether it's the atomic bomb, whether it's the natural beauty of Bandelier National Monument or White Sands or Carlsbad Caverns. I mean, that's just, it's a fascinating state. And then we we, we stumbled upon pistachio land. We weren't expecting this, but they have incredible pistachios to boot, right? I, I love that you listed all of those things and you're like, but to top it off, pistachios. Like, yeah, not not many people go that route. But yeah, there there are a lot of pistachios there, lots of nuts, lots of lots of pecans and walnuts there too. No, it's it's a beautiful place. We lived in Las Cruces, that's where New Mexico State is. So for all you listening right now that are thinking, Oh yeah, the Lobos. No, that's the other guys. Those are the ones in Albuquerque. <laughs> no, we're the ones in Las Cruces. Las Cruces was wonderful to live in, kind of a smaller town feel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we actually really love the diversity there. It was 60% Hispanic, 20% other, and 20% white. And we loved it. We actually hesitated moving out where we are now because we're like, wow, this is totally different from yes. where we used to live. It was it was beautiful culture, like just such a family-friendly culture everything at every school, the whole family, generations came out to support it. It was so nice to see just a good place all around fun. Well, it, it, I think you're right. I mean, we live in just a really wonderful, wonderful place. And there is, there's so much, whether it's the cultural diversity or just the diversity in landscape, because again, where you are now, lots of green, flat out there everything's trying to kill you <laughs> that's <laughs> right <laughs> that's right the heat or, or or the 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 expansive space in between gas stations it's the, there's a lot going on <laughs> you know let's pause this and talk about heat for a second that everyone here is like oh well, arizona's a dry heat so you know no big deal yeah, well, when it's 122 degrees outside and things inside your car are melting, uh, it's hot. Okay, like it's people hot. die. We like the papers keep track of a death toll of like who died, how many died from the heat wave this year. You don't get that anywhere else in the country. So no. for everyone no. that's thinking, yeah, but it's not humid. Well, 
it it kills you. You know, no one's, no one's ever died from humidity. All right, like, so like like airplanes can't take off at a certain temperature. Yeah, right? like because because their tires are literally melting. It's ripping up the runway. Like we gotta. That doesn't happen in most of the country. So okay, I want to jump into this book, Team Unity, because I absolutely we met last summer at the Management and Organizational Behavior Teaching Society conference. You sat down, we had not met. You sat down and we we started talking about your book, Team Unity. And then I actually came to one of your sessions and that was an incredible experience. So, right, I think as we were at the table sitting, I bought your book on Audible. And then it was from there that for a good portion of the summer, and I, I am not blowing smoke. For me, it is literally the best book on teams I've ever come across. And I've only read one, which was yours. But it's the best. <laughs> well, do me a favor and leave that review on Amazon. That would be fantastic. <laughs> no, uh, I'm we'll serious. Pause. No, I really appreciate that. I, it's I, great. It's just great. I mean, it, thank you for the work. You know, in the academic world, we publish journal articles. And, and while those are fun, I really enjoy research. This book is, is my labor of love. Like this was... I mean, a normal journal journal article, five to ten thousand words ish. This is uh, I wrote it with sixty thousand words. We trimmed twenty five thousand words. I added thirty five thousand words, and so it's seventy thousand words. Like it, it was, it's way easier to publish an article for sure. But this was, I loved it so much. Obviously, I could go on for seventy thousand words, so I'm, I have to contain <laughs> myself a little bit. But this is, it's truly a passion, you know. As I talk to business leaders and such, it's interesting, their views on teams. And they're just like, oh, it's we have a good team. We have bad teams, whatever. It's like, no, oh my gosh, a team is so complex. It's more than just good and bad. And, and every team exists on a scale and you can take it from a poor performing to higher performing. Every team has that chance. Yeah. Anyway, like I said. Well, no, no, take us through that. I mean, okay, so let, let's go kind of 50,000 feet with your... Okay your kind of general way of how you're approaching the topic. But then I would love to kind of drill down into each of the four primary areas a little bit. Obviously, we want to entice listeners so that they go out and buy Team Unity. Because again, and for listeners, it literally is the best book I've ever read on Teams. It's just, it's so well done and it's easily digestible and it just makes great intuitive sense. It's a wonderful, wonderful read. So I just want to give listeners, I want to give listeners a flavor of that work. Thank you very much. Now, before we get started talking about unity, it's important to understand there are two key parts that when I work with people, they have to understand that. Number one, we've already touched, all teams can improve. Like it's not a life switch. Every team can improve. And number two, it's not about talent. And there are many examples of that throughout sports. Basketball is a wonderful example. There are many super stacked teams, hand-picked teams that aren't performing so well in basketball right now. And that's, I realize that's a very controversial topic and, and we'll stray away from that. But, but there are so many examples where it's not all about talent. It's as far as everything being equal, as long as everything's equal, then it's all about how unified a team is. So once you understand that, then we can dive in. Uh, book starts off, what is unity? It's a word we throw out. Every president since JFK has talked about unifying the country. But I mean, you can ask 100 people and no one will give you the same answer on what that means. Everyone's going to say, 
uh, bring everyone together. Well, okay. <laughs> like, duh. Okay. So like, what does that mean? Like, how are you going to do it? You know, how are you going to cop like, like what, what break that down for me? What does that look like? How do you know when everyone's together? So that's what we do in the book. We break it down. Essentially, it comes down to four components, focus, direction, trust, and conflict. And now when you say we, you mean I, correct? Or is there more than one of you up there? No, you're right. I do mean I. You know, like when we talk, we often represent other people. In this case, I guess I'm just representing myself. I have no (laughs) co-authors. Take take full ownership of this awesome work, my friend. (laughs) It's been, there has been many people, there have been many people that have helped and so many interviews and so many teams I've worked with to bring this to pass. It's been wonderful. So, so there is a big we in there, (laughs) but I I am the one that wrote it and put it on paper. Yes. So four (laughs) areas, I interrupted you. Yeah. Yeah. Focus, direction, trust, and conflict. So focus, understanding and commitment to the goal. So, and again, so how this differs is that many other teams books, and there are some very famous teams book out there, they stop at just the goal. Okay. Well, you can understand the goal and totally not be committed to it. Yeah. Right. You can write the best goal in the world and just be like, okay, we have the best goal in the world. It's a smart goal. Check that box. But (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that that doesn't mean you're going anywhere with that goal. That doesn't mean everyone's bought into the goal, right? So you got to get that commitment portion too. Next part is direction. So the strategy, how are you going to reach that goal, right? And again, understanding and commitment to that. And this is all, this breaks down into much further components. You got to read the book though. It's really oh, good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then trust is interesting. Trust is social trust. So this is a new construct that I developed through all of this research. What a lot of people default to is psychological safety, Amy Edmondson, psychological safety. I think she was on your podcast recently. No, I have not had, I have not uh, you should reached have out to her people and her people, oh, okay. but she's busy. And Man, I wish I had get, people. Yeah. I And I need to, I need to get back to her. So, so we're working on it in the background, literally as we speak. I'm well, not interviewing you. I'm just typing Amy Edmondson, <laughs> trying to get her on the podcast. But no, yeah. So yeah, it's a goal. It's a goal. I've had... She she was busy. So you got me. Okay. Uh, no, <laughs> Amy's fantastic. You said She's... yes right away. You don't have any people. I just emailed you. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh wow, he, this guy's really wanting this. Like, wow, it's crazy. Um, no, so Amy Edmondson does fantastic work with psychological safety, and some people take that out of context. They're like, oh, okay, so you feel safe at work. Yes, absolutely. You feel safe to be yourself. But social trust is psychological safety and more. Social trust is is just because you can feel safe at work to be yourself does not mean that you feel safe to talk about topics, uh, certain topics with your coworkers. Hmm. And so think about that. Trust is that exchange. I'm going to talk about personal things and you reciprocate by talking about personal things. And therefore, we build that comfort between each other. That's vital. That and that is separate from social trust for sure. To have that that a special feeling among your team. So social trust is critical, critical to reach the highest level team, which I call extraordinary team. Uh, but you don't need it for success. That's a common common mistake people say. You know, you can you can have a team and throw a bunch of resources at it and accomplish a goal. That's fine. But if you want the highest performing team, if you want the most efficient and fun team, because think about how fun it is when you have high levels of social trust, then work on that, work on improving your social trust. The last one is conflict. Conflict is more like 
it's more like the warning. Hmm. You know, it's like when you ask for directions and someone says, okay, but don't go down this road, right? Like this road's dangerous or, or the weather, it's raining outside. So be careful. So think of it like that. Like you maximize the first three, but conflict you're going to minimize. And we're talking about relational conflict here. Okay. So, so oftentimes people think of task conflict, like it's okay to disagree on how to do something that often results in a better product. Yeah. Because, because we can each add our own pieces, our own expertise. And all of a sudden, bam, it's, it's better. It's improved, which is wonderful. Relational conflict is when two people just don't like each other. Yeah. And I mean, that's obviously very like minimalizing what the relational conflict is, but, but as I refer to it, it's the vacuum of success. It is so critical to get rid of relational conflict. It's noticeable that the highest teams, extraordinary teams don't have it. And the lowest performing teams have it tremendously. So as an example in the book, there's a formula. So this book was written intentionally for people to be able to apply it immediately. Yep. Uh, So, so the formula in there, is written in a way to show how important conflict is. So essentially it's focus times direction plus two times trust, all of that divided by conflict, right? Yep. So that seems really powerful. So when I, when I go present to these big rooms and everything, it, it never fails that at least a few people in the room are like, wait, relational conflict. If, if you just have a two or a three in relational conflict, it devastates your score. Are you telling me that a three, just because you have gossiping and backbiting in your team, that it hurts your team performance that much, your team unity? And the answer is yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. Hmm. It, it will devastate your results. Because think of it. If you have a group of people that won't work with another group of people and they're trying to tear them down, the person that's trying to perform is now worried about these other schmoes over here that are trying to tear them down. And so now that social trust starts to decrease, right? Now, all of a sudden, I'm not as focused on the goal. I'm not as focused on the strategy because now I'm more focused on self-preservation. Yep. Right now, now I'm trying to improve my stature. It's like, oh no, they're trying to tear me down. I need my boss to make sure that, that, that he or she knows that I'm fantastic, right? Yep. And so there's, there's this constant battle. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Um, I was reading, uh, actually, I'm listening to a book by Ray Dalio right now called Principles. And in that book, he highlights the work of Keegan, Robert Keegan. And he, he, I I forget the exact phrasing, but Keegan says something like, you know, most people have two jobs, not just one. One is the actual work. And then the other one is managing people's impressions of the work and what you bring to the table. It's something to that effect. There's all this other stuff happening over here that just eats away at us actually being able to do the work and knock it out of the park, right? Oh, it's huge. That relational yeah, abso- conflict? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, you talked about everyone having two jobs. That's so that's so relevant in today's time with virtual teams, right? And, and everyone working virtually. I, I just spoke to a friend yesterday that said she wasn't feeling well. So she spent her whole day just keeping her mouse green. <laughs> you know, just just making sure she moved her mouse every three minutes so that her little icon stayed green, right? Because that's that impression management. Like, oh, I'm busy. I'm totally yeah. busy because my mouse is green. You know? <laughs> I hear that a lot from my students too. <laughs> like, they're just it's it's very interesting. Raise your hand out there listening if if you've had a day where you're like, I'm just going to look busy because I'm not getting much work done today. <laughs> yes. Okay. So talk about the two times trust. Oh, two times trust. Okay, good point. Okay, so so focus times direction is the biggest part, right? So. Yep. 
Uh, so that part, you know, that's huge. We get those two things together. Fantastic. The two times trust is interesting because that that signals that trust isn't as important. You can still have a great team. You can still have a team that's fully focused and full, like a 10 in direction. But maybe you just aren't that familiar with each other. In fact, think of it like this. How many times have you worked with someone for five plus years and you barely know anything about them? You're yeah. cordial with them. You're nice to them. You say hi to them. Maybe you say, oh, how was your weekend? You know, something like that. But, but you don't have that high level of social trust. In those scenarios, you can absolutely have a team that gets the job done. You can you can have a high performing team in those scenarios. But the two times trust is think of it like like the secret sauce or the or the in your case the pistachios in New Mexico, right? <laughs> this is this is the 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 top like the hot fudge on an ice cream sundae, the whipped cream, right? This is it's a good Sunday without that stuff. New Mexico is great without pistachios, but man, it's so much better with pistachios. It is. It really, it's, truly is. It, it really, truly There's is. There's a giant pistachio out in front of pistachio land, which really welcomes you in just a wonderful way. There are teeth marks on that pistachio. <laughs> I there, not know that. There are teeth marks on that pistachio where people will try to eat it. I'm sure it's just a. I hope it's just a joke that people try to eat it. But there are teeth marks on that pistachio. Well, it was um, so funny because we were driving into Alamogordo, and all along they say the world's largest pistachio. So we were thinking we were going to drive in and see just a large pistachio, and we didn't necessarily know that it was just going to be a like a structure, like a concrete, you know, yeah. pistachio. We thought it was going to be a real pistachio. And I think my daughter said something like, I hate it when my imagination lets me down because she was so bummed <laughs> out that it wasn't it wasn't a real largest pistachio in the world. We were excited to see that, right? Well, to, for all of my Las Cruces people out there, they have another largest. They have the largest chili pepper. Oh, It's in front of one of the hotels. It's similar for if your daughter's listening right now, don't let your imagination run wild. It is not a real large chili pepper. It is made out of cement and everything, and it's red and green. But they are—they're very proud of their chili peppers. There, hatched green chilies are oh, phenomenal. Yeah. And during this time of year, they're roasting everywhere. And you can go to any grocery store parking lot, and they're roasting. And oh, it's wonderful. And you can get your meals. I think they call it Christmas. You can get red and green. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. In fact, there's there's a a false rumor that's that's swirling around that every time you come into town or if you're new in town they say oh every restaurant asks you that what how do you like it red or green there's a big debate that's not true there's no debate on it like it's obviously green uh-huh. that's what everyone likes <laughs> there's no debate so uh, I, I don't know people are building up this big debate it's not true there are two sauces out there and they're they're both phenomenal especially it just depends on where you go but it's great. That's a that's a great segue into <laughs> Is it a great segue write that down <laughs> great for future segue. segues <laughs> into, into uh talk about some of the teams that you worked with because this is all based on your research talk yeah. about some teams that you worked with that were really doing it well would you tell a couple stories That's a great question so let me give it a great. It was a great, a great segue. It was a great it, it segue. Was a great segue. <laughs> it's a great segue. Thank you very much, Scott. That was fantastic. Yeah. So th- there have been some phenomenal teams that I worked with. One of the first ones I worked with was really fun. I actually was was working with a band. Okay. High performing collegiate band. I was there for a completely different reason. Yeah. And and then I started talking to the conductor, and it was his idea. He said, "Man, you know what?" Being in a band is like, it's like teamwork. 
And I was like, huh, never thought of it like that. I mean, I'm interested in teams, but whatever. I'm here for something else. And then I started watching. And I was like, whoa, this is really good. Yeah. And there was there was a great opportunities in there where I was able to start interviewing. Again, I was there for another reason, but I was like, oh, dang, like this is really good. Where I, I interviewed section leaders and how section leaders work with other section leaders and how how conflict works with the team. If you have if someone, uh, a percussionist who's normally in the back, if there's conflict that they have with the clarinetist, then that can cause issues with their playing performance. Anyways, it was really cool. But this band, this conductor, I should say, did a phenomenal job of getting them to work together and really brought them together and, and actually had me train them in teamwork, which at the time, I mean, I was, this was like nine years ago. So my research was barely even started at that point on this subject, but it was, it was a lot of fun to see their growth and to see them all pushing forward this goal. There was an invitational into the Philippines and they all wanted to go to that. And yeah. he said, okay, this is a big deal. So you're going to have to perform at this level. They were, they were on board. I mean, that's super cool. With that being said, another music group that actually just happened uh, this past weekend, or sorry, this past month, I, I, I was volunteering with an acapella group. It was one of those things. I don't know if any of you have kids and they ask for a volunteer and you don't volunteer because you're like, well, not me. Someone else is going to jump on that. Uh, and, and then they said, OK, no, we really need volunteers. Like no one signed up. It's like, OK, I'll go. I didn't know what to expect. I have I have the coolest kids, so I was happy to be there with my kid, with with my oldest son. But but I was like, I don't, you know, it's acapella. I've seen, I've seen Pitch Perfect one and two. So I, I'm kind of, this is what I'm expecting. I hate it when my imagination lets me down. You know, I was expecting like singing just to break out that spontaneous journey, like really yeah. cool versions of journey songs, right? Yeah. I've seen a few episodes of Glee and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't see anyone sad and walking to um, in a melodic way or anything like but but I'm there and it was amazing to see these kids from all different walks of life and they want to win state this year. Uh, they got third place last year and and they really think that they could have won state. It was it was amazing. I mean, here you have these kids. These are high schoolers. What's most important to a high schooler for most high schoolers? Social life. Right. Like that's yeah. critical. Not here. I mean, here we are staying in cabins far away from uh, normal life, I guess many opportunities for them to hang out and goof off and everything. Nope. They were a hundred percent focused. They were there. She broke down the strategy. This, this director is fantastic. Broke down the strategy. Okay, guys, you want to win state? Here's what it takes. Here's where we need to be. And here's how we're going to get there. And they said, let's do it. And then she had some trust exercises. It was really cool. But there was also, and this I mean this kind of as as a joke, but it was also really cool to see us chaperones too, to start off as a completely new team. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't even know why we were there, really. I mean, we knew why we were there, but the director had, <laughs> had things in such great order that we were like, she doesn't even need us. Like these kids aren't going to do anything because they love her and respect her so much. But we got together and said, but we're here. So why not do something? And we we really pulled it together. In fact, even the director was like, I don't know what you guys did, but you guys are way more active and you guys did all this extra stuff. Anyway, so those are some very recent ones. They're all centered around music. So as I talk about in the book, some of the worst performing teams I've ever worked with, and I won't say the companies because that's no, that's not no, fair. No. no, no, no. I don't want to do that. But executive teams are the worst teams I've ever worked with. I worked with this team <laughs> where they knew the answer. Like these executives knew the answer. 
right? They're trying to save money, right? Cutting costs and everything. They knew what the answer was. And the answer was to work together, right? Hey, if if we order this part, then we could save this money because we can get, you know, all these crazy good discounts and we can do this and that. And all we needed is for you to sign off on it and the other vice president saying, no, no. Wow. Do you know why? Because that makes you look good instead of me. And everyone was vying for the next spot because once you're a vice president, that next spot is the C-suite, right? And in this case, the salary jumped up to a million a year, plus stock, plus access to the private plane, plus your own bathroom, plus uh, two secretaries, Whoa. two admins. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. <laughs> you know? um, so I actually interviewed, not only did I work with them, I went to the COO and I shared my results. Like I actually used the formula in different ways and I shared my results. It's like, uh, these are the lowest scores I've ever seen. Like you, your people are don't like each other big time. Like they are not, <laughs> they are not working together. And her response was, "That doesn't surprise me." Yeah, and and I knew this person well. Like we had done. I know this is silly, but we had done many potlucks together. Okay, I'm a big fan of food. I I started when I used to work at this corporation. I started a uh, a Thursday dessert potluck. So every yeah. Thursday, would people would bring in cookies and cakes, and we just Often, but it worked its way up the chain to where nice. we had ex- executives coming out and joining <laughs> us. It, was, it, it turned into this wonderful uh, networking opportunity, but it started off as just people baking cookies at work. So it was fun. Uh, but anyway, she said she wasn't surprised because she knows what the next spot means to them. Like, mm. you know, these, like, you don't get to be a vice president without being some sort of a type of personality, some sort of competitive person, right? You're, you're a doer. You're someone that is very intelligent, right? Like you've been chosen. And this is a multi-billion dollar organization that I was working with. And so that next step is a major resume boost, right? And yeah. it changes you. It will literally change your life. So instead of working together, which is, is what she said, she said, the person that I'm going to hire to replace me is the person that can unify everyone, is the person that will actually pull people together and that can get them to work because that's what my job is. It's wow. hurting cats. There, there's another example. This isn't my story. This came from one of my students. So I teach a graduate level teams class in which unity plays a big part of that. Uh, but one of my students talked about volleyball. Have you ever thought about volleyball to being a team sport? Uh, I have. Yeah. Unless it's just the two of them, but I guess that's even, well, wait, <laughs> yeah, wait, they still have to work together, but no, no. totally. But is two yes. people a team. I mean, how do you define sure. that? Okay. okay. Well, th- that's what, that's what's so great about unity is that this book not just book the, you know, unity and everything. It's not just about teams. It's about relationships. So anytime you have two or more, I mean, it's marriage, right? It can help marriage. It can help sand volleyball teams. I mean, anytime you have a relationship, this is what it's all about is people working together. That's, and that's what we do, Scott. Like we're the science of people working together. Mm -hmm. So, yep. It's cool. But anyway, uh, this team, I never thought about volleyball. So I've used my, I've used this formula in many different industries uh, six different industries. I've used it in sports before, but mostly with basketball and football. I never thought about volleyball because volleyball kind of seems like independent contractors, right? Like everyone's huh. got their own place and like, Hey, when I do this, you do this. Like, that's it. Like you just fulfill your role and I just fulfill my role versus a basketball where it's constantly moving and shifting. And sometimes you're the leader because you're the one with the ball. Sometimes you're the one waiting for a pass. Sometimes you're the one just being a decoy, right? Like, like there's so many constantly moving parts in basketball and volleyball just seemed 
kind of static, you know? I mean, they're moving, but it's like, you know what I'm saying? I didn't yeah. know. And this is my ignorance for all know. of you out there listening that are going, you're an idiot. Yes. Yes, yes I was. I, I, was, I was absolutely ignorant. I didn't <laughs> When know. it comes to volleyball, I am. <laughs> yeah, but one of my students was from the number one uh, collegiate women's volleyball team in the nation. Okay. University of Louisville. And, and so she was like, oh man. And she was sharing such wonderful, beautiful examples of these girls coming from all over the United States. They don't know each other, but they, they want to win. They're hyper competitive and they want to win, but everyone has their own ways. Cause remember they all come from different training. They all come from different coaches yep. and now they have to unite under one banner. And she, and the coach has to say, everything you've learned before is wonderful. And you're going to use that, but you're going to do it in this way, in this unified way. And it's, it was an amazing story to hear how she's able to pull people together. And she has to do this every year because her, her girls are constantly being recruited to go all sorts of different directions. And which is a major issue with those high performing levels of college sports, right? Is that they're constantly being pulled out and these coaches have to reform every year. It's a fantastic story. So that was a, a, based on what you could tell an ET or an extraordinary team. Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, Everything that they did, again, every week we would ask questions and there were discussion posts and everything. And every week she'd post a little bit more about that story. And so then I actually interviewed her after class, like after the class was over. I was like, can I want to talk more? I have more stories and I should have done a podcast, but but I have I have more stories and I want to get out of you. Like I I want to learn more about this whole volleyball teamwork thing <laughs> and uh she she schooled me in that she was very enlightening but yeah beautiful story about uh, coaches and i mean we see them as coaches and we're like yeah coaches you know they they correct how you play we don't see them as team builders a lot of times yeah. and people come to their team from all over and and that's they have to they have to work with all sorts of different personalities everyone wants to be the superstar especially in today's time NIL, the name image likeness where you can, you can make great money in college. And so there's a lot of independent contractors out there that are out for themselves. Right. And so, but I know, I know that you (laughs) are a huge fan of basketball. I mean, it just reminded me of that John Wooden story where one of the first things he did was teach them how to lace their shoes. (laughs) Like, yeah, we're going to start here and build. (laughs) Absolutely. It's so, it's so interesting. And so think about that in the workplace. Like let's translate this to the workplace. So many times we forget that our team members that we're the leaders of have come from all sorts of other leaders. And they, with that, they bring all sorts of baggage. Yep. And, And with that, they, they have baggage from their family. They have baggage from their other teams that they've been on maybe they've been leaders before and now they're 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 one of your team members instead of the leader of the team i mean there's so many things that you have to work with and so uniting a group that comes from all different walks of life into a a single banner is is tough yeah it's really tough it's 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 a science yeah well it's hard enough to lead myself much less a bunch of other folks who (laughs) right that it just is, makes it more complex. <laughs> yeah, it is very humbling to have to talk to someone on your team and go, I'm about to talk to you about something that I need to work on myself, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, again, I, I just really appreciate the work. I'm going to put a link to the book in the show notes. And I think that'll be a really nice opportunity for people to learn a little bit more. Is there any other resource that you want to 
point people toward that that would be a benefit for them? A website or Twitter handle, or maybe you have a TikTok page on Teams. Do you have a TikTok page? <laughs> I do my team dances. <laughs> That's what I do. No. Go to um, www.leader411.com. Great little blog there. I just, you know, we're writers, we're authors. And so we just want to keep fresh. And these are little thoughts that I've had, but it's also some of my interviews I've done. So my next book that I'm writing, I wanted it to be Everyday Teams because so many of our books that that are written today have just talk about Google, Amazon, Apple, Walmart, right? Like the yeah. G-A-A-W. That's, that's pretty much what they talk about. I wanted to demonstrate that across the world, fantastic teams are happening everywhere, unique, fantastic teams. And so some of my interviews are there, uh, such as a world-famous magician. That's teamwork. I didn't know. It was great to talk to him. It's like uh, volleyball, famous, right? Yeah, it's like volleyball. I didn't, I didn't know, but it's a huge <laughs> amount of teamwork. And with the special, especially one of the things that he talks about, and you can read about it on leader411.com, is about social trust and how important that is. Um, the Coast Guard. Why don't well, we talk about the Coast Guard? If you're going to cut me in half, I need to trust you. That's absolutely. I mean, this is done. This is yeah. like. <laughs> it's a big deal. I need and, to know that if you lose my keys, I can I can get them back. That if well, the rings okay. get stuck together. And your segue to the Coast Guard. I teach with two former rear admirals. They were in charge of the Great Lakes for the Coast Guard. And yeah, I mean, that is wow. Some of those stories. So when I started like this whole, like, I'm going to interview unique people. I started with him. He was a good friend of mine. Again, I, we go to each other's houses. We have barbecues. Our kids are great friends. So this is someone I've known for several years. And I said, I, let me just take you out for lunch, which by the way, if anyone wants a free lunch and has a good story to tell, that's, that's how I pay my people back. I take them out to lunch. So, uh, so I said, let me just take you out to lunch and let's just talk. I, I just want to hear some stories. He shared the most amazing story. Go oh. look it up where he's like jumping into black water and like swimming over and saving lives. And I'm like, what the heck yeah. is happening right now? Like, yes. why don't these are, these stories are never in books and they should be there. I have stories from an underwater archeologist. Oh, wow. Like Did looking you know for Atlantis and stuff, huh? Yeah. Underwater archeologist, uh, Antarctic explorers. Nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a whole collection of them. You, you can look up some of them online. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a great place to go. I love it. Okay. Final question of the day. What's something that you've been reading, listening to streaming it could have something to do with what we've just discussed. It could have nothing to do with what we've just discussed. What's something that's caught your attention in recent weeks that listeners might be interested in? Okay. So I like all sorts of topics. I'm always, I'm always about learning. So there's two I'm going to point out. Okay. Number one, this book blew my mind. I'm looking it up right now. It's called Cultish, but I want to tell you the author, Amanda Montel. Cultish is, it's about language and the power of language and how cult leaders use language to subjugate their people. It sounds like a very dark book, but it actually only briefly, I shouldn't say briefly, only a small portion of the book talks about like the big cults. Most of the book talks about like the mediocre cults, like things that are, that are maybe not that are in our lives. And I don't want to say them because I don't want to like give a bad rap. Amanda can do that. But there are things in our lives that are cults that are like mini cults that are cultish. Wow. And so she talks about the language that they use to ensnare you and to make you feel bad if you try to leave. And, and it's, it blew my mind. Like open my eyes. Is this like eyes. my, my hairdresser? 
John? It could be your hairdresser where if you try to leave. Because <laughs> I feel bad when I leave my hairdresser. I don't yeah. know. Now you, I'm uh, intrigued. I mean, if, if you were to try to find a new hairdresser and your hairdresser's like, you're going to fail in life. If you find a new hairdresser, that would be cultish. That would be, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's we uh, haven't gotten to that point yet, but I do feel bad, you know. If wouldn't I, that be fun to find a hairdresser <laughs> that confident to say your life will, will fail without me in it? Like that's a really good hairstylist. Yeah. So the, so that's one book. Um, but because of the discussion, the other book, so I actually um I just really enjoy writing. And so I also write middle grade fiction because why not? Middle grade is a specific genre. It's actually if anyone would like to know, the hottest genre on the market right now. But it, but it goes from ages 8 to 12. Okay, okay. So these are, so Harry Potter, the first few books of Harry Potter, middle grade fiction. So okay. it's not okay. about how many pages it is or how many words it is, but just the content, right? Okay. So I write that as well. I have a book that is, hopefully will be published here soon. It's, it's a lot of fun to write. But I'm reading this other book on creativity. And look how fun this book is. Those of you that this isn't a video, I'm just showing this to Scott. But it's called Wonder Book. Oh, wow. And it's by Jeff Vandermeer. And it's about how to write creative fiction. But it's filled with like really cool illustrations and just fun little pieces of, of work. And so it just talks about like building a world. I love it. Okay, sir. Thank you so much for being with me today. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for the good work that you do. I'm excited for this new book that, not the middle grade fiction, no offense on that one. <laughs> that will be exciting to a faction of people. And I'll buy it for my daughters. But yeah. I'm excited for this everyday teams and people doing work that may not have some of that uh, light shown on them but are doing incredible things in the world. And so I very, very much appreciate that. You'll come back. I appreciate it. It's too much fun. We wandered in a very nice way. This was the most wandering episode ever, but we came we back did. to things. We stayed on target. We wove in pistachios, a little bit of volleyball, yeah. some themes, a little bit of music. Middle grade fiction. Middle. This was the first podcast yeah. with that Boom. I've ever conducted in the history of the world where we discussed middle grade fiction. There you go. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you for the work you do. Thank you very much. Be well. Have a good day. Bye. If you have the opportunity to pick up John's book, Team Unity, I think it's a great read. It's very, very interesting, a wonderful perspective. And I know that it has shifted how I think about teams. So thank you, John. Thanks for the great work that you do. Thanks for the laughs. That was just a lot of fun. We had a good time, had a great conversation. And of course, discussed your great work. Everybody, there's still a little bit of time if you want to get to ILA. It's next week. So change your plans and connect, build relationships, learn. It's a great, great experience. And probably one of the last times I'll make this announcement, I just want you to know that there's an incredible learning opportunity with the Prometheus Project. And this is engaging with the work of Robert Keegan and Lisa Leahy through an organization called Minds at Work. The topic is going to be immunity to change. Just a powerful self-awareness, consciousness building activity that is one of the most powerful learning activities I've ever been a part of. You can find a link in the show notes. So, John, thank you so much. We covered a lot of ground. Appreciate your great work. 
Thanks for all you do. Excited to talk about some of these teams that maybe we don't hear about all the time. Take care, everyone. As always, thank you so much for checking in and be well. You have just finished another episode of Practical Wisdom for Leaders with Scott Allen. To contact me, visit www.scottjallen.net or send me a note at scott at scottjallen.net. I can also be found on Twitter and LinkedIn, so let's connect. Now, if you have feedback, I'd love to hear it. And as always, thank you so much for listening. One final nod to our sponsors, the International Leadership Association and the Bowler College of Business at John Carroll University. And now, here's Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro. You've been listening to Phronesis, Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.